And I'm Ben Travers at Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And happy Monday. Hopefully you've got, you got to watch the TV over the weekend because uh, there was some stuff that came out. I don't know if was you there? noticed that. I mean, yeah, The Leftovers. There was a new episode. But people know that. I feel like we've kept them fairly well informed, right? No, I don't Do think people you... not know that there's... <laughs> guys, The Leftovers is airing right now. Ben, do they talk about whether or not Kevin might be Jesus on The Leftovers? Well, I mean, they, they don't really talk about it on The Leftovers, but Damon has been pretty clear that he's not Jesus. He's, um, he's, he could be perceived as like a second coming of Jesus. He could be perceived as, as some okay, sort of I'm prophet. Okay, I'm going to stop you there. But he's not actually Jesus. This is not a Jesus story. It's just a good reference point. And, you know, the beard looks good on him. Yeah. I, I actually have a I, – I What's a, your favorite joke of the year so far on, on Leftovers? Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just basically take this. Steve, off. do you have one? No. That's the guy I was telling you about. <laughs> <laughs> That's the guy I was telling you about. Has been the internet's favorite for sure. Um, but I'm going to try my own Christopher Eccleston impression. Okay, great. Um, because I, I just want to. I'm just basically gonna parrot the line you just said. The beard does look good on you. That was pretty good. Had a little bit of Scottish in there, but it was still pretty good. <laughs> I can barely tell the difference between. It's one of the worst things about me as an Anglophile is the fact that I like cannot tell regions apart. You cannot tell regions apart, and you cannot tell people apart if they get a haircut or grow facial hair. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> it's a problem. I still think that my favorite joke on the leftovers, though, is the one that Lori didn't get to tell because she was so eager as soon as someone said, say the dirtiest joke, you know. And Lori just like leans in like, oh, I've been waiting for this my entire life. And they're like, no, no, no. And we were like, god damn it. Did you ask her what the joke was? No, I didn't. I should have. Damn it, Ben. I know. Go. I, I'm not good at Your my job. Your punishment is we're not going to talk about the leftovers anymore. Well, that's, I can't accept that punishment. <laughs> for the rest I, of the podcast. You can't enforce that punishment because there's clearly no stopping me. But. Oh. We are going to talk about other shows, though, um, for the moment. Um, Maybe. Point is, uh, so, I mean, I'm sure that I'm likely as you're listening to this, you're at least either, you've either seen Twin Peaks or you're dealing with the Twin Peaks uh, madness that has come with the premiere of the show last night. But we're not even going to talk about Twin Peaks. Oh, I forgot about Twin Peaks. Yeah. you. It's almost like you're slightly myopic in your obsession with one particular show. No, that's not true. Because <laughs> Damon Lindelof loves Twin Peaks, so I pay very close attention myself so you just said you forgot about it yeah i know but it was funnier that way <laughs> anyways another show came out this weekend uh that is a particular favorite of ours uh which is unbreakable kimmy schmidt um and uh, the third season premiered on netflix last friday as you listen to this and uh ben and i have as as we record this ben and i have not finished the season uh i've seen of I've seen a three-episode, I think nine. Ben has seen the first six episodes. So don't worry about spoilers if you haven't finished either because that's a fine thing. Um, they can't spoil it for us, right? Because they're listening and we're talking. Yes. Okay, good. Yeah. So, if, yeah, if you, if, if, you, if you have seen the whole season, don't yell things at your radio. Don't travel through time and tell me and Liz what happened. Yes. But, uh, Ben, what did you think of the show's return? I've very much enjoyed the start of it. I thought it was a very strong entry, and I was impressed by kind of how aggressive they are in their commentary. 
compared to seasons past and without being overtly political. Like, I don't feel like there is a lot of Trump in this story. Like, they don't talk about the president as far as I can remember. <sighs> That's kind of a relief. Yeah, and it is a relief. But they also don't back down from that idea of the show being about women who are kicking ass, like who are just you strong know, as hell, you might say. Strong as hell, exactly. Um, you know, they're finding their own path. They're figuring things out for themselves. They're uh, very independent, very, you know, um, object or like goal oriented. And it's very, very inspiring to watch that happen. Um, and then but the topics that they're taking on are are pretty big, like to me. Like I, I was I was very impressed early on with the ongoing narrative of the NFL <laughs> of the NFL storyline with Jacqueline. I mean, with her going after the Redskins as hard as they are, like again and again, making it her main storyline. Uh, Josh Charles coming in as you know the son of the owner, right? Son of the owner. Yeah. Um, and and they're not. I feel like a lot of shows kind of would even Thirty Rock would kind of you know poke at the bear, but by using uh, a replacement, they wouldn't specifically talk about the Redskins. They'd they'd reference another team that sounds like the Redskins, or that you knew they right. were referencing the Redskins, but they wouldn't talk about them specifically. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt is just going whole hog at it, and I'm curious if that's because you know it's a Netflix show and Netflix is all powerful and unstoppable, and they can say whatever the hell they want. I'm curious if it's just Tina Fey being given the reins to do whatever she wants as well. Uh, I'm curious if it's not as big of a deal as it, it seems like in my head, but it feels like a like a pretty thorough attack on, on an institution that has gotten a lot of pushback, but usually it's stuff I read online. Like, I, I don't see it a lot in visual representation, storylines, stuff out in the public like this, so... That's interesting you say that. Um, I feel like I, I feel like because the things I will note are they're very careful not to use any actual like iconography from the Redskins. Like, yeah, I don't think just, they could get the rights to it. No, like, and if you watch like the episode, the the season two finale features like you know Jacqueline meeting uh, her you know her boyfriend's family for the first time, and they are, of course are wearing a bunch of like Reds they're quote unquote Redskins gear, but. Uh, it is not Redskin-esque. Uh, it, it is not official NFL gear. Um, that being said, so there, the the show is still is is not like a like lone wolf. It is still owned by NBC Universal, and they are still like the studio of record producing it. Um, however, I will say that they probably, yeah, I, I if, if the show was still airing on it was was airing on NBC as it was originally meant to, I doubt they would get away with it. Because of just on the network side, the network side would probably freak the fuck out about um, having you know talking crap about the NFL. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think I think I think being on Netflix probably helps in that regard. Yeah, and I mean, uh, from where I've left off, like they gave it, they gave me, they gave us six episodes to watch before it was released. So I think at the end of the sixth episode, spoiler alert, uh, Jacqueline had worked her way into going to the owners meeting mm-hmm. um and to me that again was like wow they're actually like she's actually gonna go and sit in a room with all the nfl owners who are questionable people at best um and, are and you that's, saying there's questionable things about professional football as an institution then uh, i mean maybe it's just because my beloved chicago bears have been so awful and treated their players so terribly and been such a just wretched organization over the past three or four years 
And that's been, you know, timed with a lot of uh, revealing coverage about what else is happening in the NFL. So, yeah, I'll say it. I'll say, yeah, they are. So, but if the Bears do well next season? I, I'm very torn. I have nobody to root for. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> I should mention, uh, we have a silent but very special guest uh, here. Um, Ben's mother, Anne. Oh, that was the best reaction. Um, is, 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 has, is in the office with us along with Steve. And uh, Anne does not think the Bears have a good shot next year. No, she's very wise in that way. It's, she's, she's all-knowing. She's a devout Cubs fan. Uh, she she knows that the Cubbies are going to be just fine, but she also knows that the Bears are a big pile of turds. So, <laughs> yeah. Even beyond the fact that you know the NFL is corrupt and yeah, even even beyond just the basic idea of of employing people to smash their heads together repeatedly mm-hmm. uh, for ten years at a time. Uh, yeah, beyond that, they're pretty bad yeah. human beings. So anyway, she's gonna go like Jacqueline actually going to the owners meeting. To the owners meeting seems like such a, a, another step forward in that attack. Let's say, um, and that's very exciting. Like, and, and I love the way that they're handling it. I love the way that this is going. This sh- this show or this season seems like it should fit into our cultural discussion talking points without repeating a lot of the same anger and and discussion that's already out there like it's not just about trump it's not just about politics it's about the patriarchy let's burn that fucker down mm-hmm. you've been talking to jill soloway recently haven't you i did talk to jill recently yeah oh that's nice and sarah gubbins yep you are very fond of sarah gubbins she's great yeah um chicago native <laughs> of course she, she knows that. the bears are terrible too <laughs> so i'm sure that's a, all you talked about she's a Sox fan though so well, I'm gonna strike one. Whoa! I guess you guys aren't <laughs> getting married. Well, de- no, definitely not. <laughs> um, well, another issue that comes up in 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 Kimmy Schmidt and has always been a part of the show, but I feel like it's a little more explicit these days, is the fact that you know our main character is dealing with a major trauma, and it's root cause. It's a, it's a, it's a, a root aspect of the series, but it's always been kind of. It's always been tonally very interesting, uh, which is that basically the idea is how do you talk about a character who was imprisoned for 15 years um, by a man, by a terrible human being, and how do you make that funny? And that it, it's something that the it, that shows always. It is a challenge that the show set for itself that I've always found really fascinating, even when sometimes I don't think they pulled it off. Like, I feel like there are a couple of points in season two where they're really trying to find the funny in it and maybe not always succeeding. But I, I don't know. What, what do you think, Ben? I don't remember the points you're, t- you're thinking well, I'm just, of. I'm, I actually, let me see. Like, I think sometimes some of the therapy sessions um, in, in the back half of season right. two, you know. This is an ongoing issue, obviously, for me in, in that my memory is terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I feel with Netflix shows, because we binge them, and then it's a year later when mm-hmm. we see them, it's almost like you have to watch them twice, once when they first come out, and then again before the next one comes out for you to fully, like, You mean everyone doesn't do that? I definitely don't. I watched the, the last couple of Kimmy's right. um, before season three started to make sure I was on the right uh, narrative path. But in terms of the, the general acknowledgement of her tragedy like of of what has happened to her before the season or before the series began 
I think they've done, I think you're right. I think they've done a very good job with it overall while every once in a while you can see them getting caught up in the idea of acknowledging it versus uh, ignoring it. Like it, it's it's not ever something that they're fully ignoring because you see what, you know what happens to Kimmy. But there's those moments when like the comedic beats or the storyline starts to edge closer to the really, really dark content of, of rape of what happened. Right. Um, and then they, they get, they, they, they almost have to like reverse course or dig their way back out. And it, it bumps up against it more until this season when it's very offhand how they reference rape this right. year. Um, it's not something that's, that they dwell on, but the fact that they say it is they a say, pretty they big, say the word is a pretty big thing. Yeah. I, I think I figured out the, the one episode that didn't really work for me in terms of uh, in, in terms of dealing with Kimmy's tragedy, it, trauma, not tragedy. Yeah, it's, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, uh, is uh, the episode in season two where she and she and Dong get together uh, at the hotel, and I think what bothered me about it was a, you know, the comedy gag of her continually smashing him over the head with a telephone um, every time they try to kiss is a little off-putting just because I feel like, you know, I'm a little more, you know, I think we're all a little more sensitive to physical violence in a romantic setting um, than, you know, the pow, bam, right to the moon Alice days. Um, also, uh, <clears throat> also, it was just, it just made me really sad. I was like, it, it, I, I didn't, I wanted, I liked Dong a lot. I wanted her and, I wanted them to be a happy couple. And the fact that this internal this internal trauma of hers kept her from moving on. Like, it, even though it does spur her on to, it's part of what spurs her on to try to really get therapy and try to really deal with what happened to her. Even though that's a factor, I still just felt sad. Not, I didn't find it funny. Even, well, I mean, a bit, I will shout out the Joshua Jackson cameo is amazing and hilarious in that episode. That is the high point of the episode. Shut up. That's fine. I would say that, um, Exactly what you're talking about is something that is one of the more interesting elements of Kimmy Schmidt in that a lot of quote-unquote comedies these days aren't comedies, and they deal with this stuff in a very real, dramatic context. Like, if these events were to happen, instead of trying to keep the constant joke machine running and keep the uh, keep that continual kind of happy, lighthearted Kimmy Schmidt enthusiasm going throughout, they would take a long break if not for an entire episode to delve into this and then work the comedy back in and like a softer touch Kimmy is not structured for that Kimmy is very much uh, a, a through and through comedy like it, it is there to be funny the whole time but it is also the fact that it also is dealing with these very serious things to me it's it's I don't know if I want to chastise it for making me feel sad in that moment or to applaud it for trying to make something funny it's not as funny as it as some of their other stuff, as some of their other content, but it's also not something they ignored in order to just keep things superficial. Yeah. I don't wanna I don't wanna come off as at all slamming Kimmy Schmidt for trying all this because I find it hella impressive that it is trying it is it is doing so much more than your typical show. It is taking on an incredibly tough talk, topic. It is way more ambitious, way more, and, and, and thus way more impressive than a lot of the other shows that we watch and evaluate on this level. 
Um, so I, but it, it, but I find it fascinating to discuss the moments when it doesn't work because I think that highlights the moments when it does work. Yeah, no, and I mean, I think the moments that don't work are also, they're also harder to remember, at least for me, because there's just so much comedy. Like, it, again, because there's just so much, there's so many jokes, it's it's structured as though, you know, it's just one after the other. You'd almost have to pause it and rewind to catch everything because you're laughing because you missed something beforehand. That the, the stuff that misses, it's, it's more forgivable because you're getting... You're, you're getting so much more overall. Like, you're getting all of these jokes one after the other, again and again and again, rapid fire. 90% of them are great, so you forget about the 10% of them that aren't, and that's part of the whole deal. Like, that's part of... That's always been a part of how Tina Fey and Robert Carlock write TV shows. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's an interesting discussion to have. It's interesting, too, to see how people would respond to it. Like... I'll be interested to see how many people notice that she says she uses the word rape like mm-hmm. on their own if they don't obviously if you didn't listen to this podcast and if you don't see articles out there about the use of the word um, because I think everybody kind of interprets this a little bit differently and everybody's watching a little bit differently mm-hmm. um, so these kind of discussions almost seem optional even though the show doesn't make them so it makes them essential yeah and what what's and what's worth noting is that I, I think we've on this podcast we debated once uh, this Kimmy Schmidt, Schmidt season one versus season two. We did do that. Um, and you were more of a fan of season two than I was. I was. Uh, and I think I ended season two being concerned about the way the show would come together, and like you know it felt like it felt like we were hitting that point with a lot of ensembles where it's like why are all these people friends and why are they hanging out. Um, and I think season three, at least so far, and I've seen more than half of it, I think season three is has addressed that, and it, it is co- 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 it's more cohesive than um, a lesser show would be. And there's good reasons to get people together. And even if there aren't good reasons, it's still hilarious to figure out a way to put like Titus and Jacqueline in a scene together. So do it. Why not? Yeah, and I mean, I've I've always been a little bit more forgiving of the of the idea that certain people are hanging out together because it's 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 a very inexplicable part of life like how you end up with certain friends and then the ones that stick around the ones that don't it it is a lot of happenstance of what kind of crosses your path and what you end up with but you're right in the sense that season three the arcs that they've built for each character with especially with Jacqueline and um I always forget her name um Carol Kane's character uh Lillian Lillian Run, Lillian! Right. <laughs> uh, I, I love how they've crossed these two. Like, I mean, obviously, obviously, they're they're very polar opposite people. They they like she's yeah. Jacqueline was uh, you know rich, very snobby, elitist, and and Lillian is very down to earth, fighting for uh, fighting against gentrification and uh, preservation of the poor. Basically, it's like it's a fascinating, <laughs> it's a fascinating divergence and how they're crossing their paths this season is a is a very smart move yeah um, oh there's 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 an episode you're gonna like a lot good um, I don't doubt it but yeah I mean it's it, I, I, I'm curious to know how many people are actually watching Kimmy Schmidt I feel like it's a show that doesn't get quite the buzz that other Netflix shows do these days we'll never know we'll never know I'm sorry Ben but like I mean I, I mean I, I said on this podcast just a few weeks ago that I predicted uh, Master of None would kind of 
overwhelm it in terms of Emmy's buzz. Um, and I stand by that. But I feel like I feel like I'd love to know what you guys think of Kimmy Schmidt as a show because uh, I think. I mean, it's it's still a favorite of mine. It's still really enjoyable to watch, even when it gets even when it gets tough and tricky and dark. Uh, so you know, remember email Liz at Liz at IndieWire.com, Ben at Ben at IndieWire.com. Though you know, Ben probably if you don't agree with Ben, you probably don't want to email him because he'll just get mad at you. You can email me about the leftovers. That'd be fun. Here's what matters, Ben. What was the best thing you watched last week? I mean, it was the leftovers, but also. <laughs> Casual season three is great. I can't remember if I talked about this last week. Did I talk about this last week? I don't think so. I don't know. I can't keep track. Memory. <laughs> no, and, did I? And confirms that he Ma says talk- I did do that a little bit. Yeah. It's too bad. I'm doing it again. Casual season three premieres on Wednesday. It's great. I know our other uh, guest in the studio who's been patiently listening to us loves casual. He's lifting his hands and, and chanting basically with his I like fists. casual a lot too. I just need to finish season two and then watch season yeah, two. Yeah, you do need to finish season two, Liz. Come on, get it together. But before then, and I now know what your next thing is, what was the best thing you watched last week? God, I didn't really watch a lot this week because I, I uh, mostly, I'm going to blame a set visit. Um, <laughs> for the record, I sampled a bunch of movies on the flight out uh, and... <laughs> XXX, The Return Jesus of Xander Christ. Cage is such delightful nonsense. How do I, I forget? How do I mute you again? <laughs> no, don't. Then you're going to have to recalibrate the levels. Uh, Look, it was a plane flight. I <laughs> I, I just I tried to watch like. Did you cry? At, at Triple X, The Return of Xander Cage? Yes. No. People cry on flights. While watching the X, Triple X, The Return While watching of a lot of things that normally they wouldn't cry during. What did you cry during? I don't know. I cry all the time. Anyways, beyond that, I'm going to say the Star Trek Discovery trailer really had me happy. Like, that's like in terms of thinking of things I watched this week that I really liked for the first time, Star Trek, the Star Trek Discovery trailer had a lot to chew on, a lot of delightful things to explore. I was really happy about it. Um, and, you know, of, of the Upfront trailers, that was the one I was most anticipating, and I am glad I enjoyed it. Me too. Yes. Then was uh, what's the next thing you're looking forward to? Bloodline. Yeah. Yeah. Aw. Last, last go round with Kyle Chandler and Ben Mendelsohn and and who? Ben Mendelsohn. No, the first one. Kyle Chandler. Who? Coach. Thank you. God. Anyway, I'm gonna start uh, being harder on you, uh, harder on you on that. I'm just gonna push back even more because Kyle Chandler's Kyle Chandler. He's been in Zero Dark Thirty and Wolf of Wall Street. And, and he uh, was coach. I mean, yeah, it was Friday Night Lights, but let's not forget that he is a versatile, fantastic actor who is also in The Spectacular now. Uh, but yeah, Bloodline's ending. Uh, ten episodes. <laughs> Steve is dying of laughter over there. <laughs> Don't know why that hit me so hard. <laughs> uh, it's my timing. Uh, but final season, ten episodes left. Shortest season yet. I always think it's uh, better when Netflix shows kind of condense and, and get into it, so I have very high hopes for how this is going to go out, especially after season two, much better than season one. Um, yeah, Bloodline, Friday. Get into it, people. Liz, your next thing's casual, and we're done. No. Um, yeah, I'll see when I get to casual. Um, actually, right now, technically at this moment right now, I'm going to say Twin Peaks is my next thing because um, I have to really put my I – need to, I need to start mentally thinking about Twin Peaks, like, a lot, uh, at least for the next 12 hours. Um that's the thing I, have I mean, to do. that or just relax your brain entirely. 
and let it just yeah because i feel like you. i feel like twin peaks is definitely a show where you can just kind of relax and let it wash over you well you can't overthink it either that'll screw you up yeah that's what i think going to be my approach it's just like i'm going to go look at pretty pictures and music and then and attractive people will be there and some less attractive people will be there but they'll say funny things and yeah, you you want to be in touch with with like your emotions when you go into it you want to know what you like and what you don't like on like an instinctual basis because that's a lot of what is provoked i think indeed um so twin peaks is technically the next thing good luck yeah but as you listen to this i will have seen all the twin peaks so i'll also throw out a mention um for just better call saul has been really terrific this season and i've been enjoying every episode thoroughly uh i've seen you know as you i've i actually made my i had to watch uh the, the next episode a little earlier than I usually do because I was being asked if I wanted to interview anyone from it. And the and it's just like, the it was kind of fascinating because I was like, I watched the episode. I was like, I could definitely talk to Ray Seahorn about her performance in this episode. I could definitely make that happen. But it's so beautifully constructed and so beautifully setting up um so beautifully setting up everything that's going to come later that I was just like, I'm going to wait. I want to wait until I see like episode eight, episode nine. I feel like that's when the discussion needs to happen. Um, and you're going to be able to read all about that and more at IndieWire.com where you'll find news reviews, interviews, features. And if you like this podcast, you'll love our other podcasts, including Screen Talk with Ann Thompson, Eric Cohn, Turn It On podcast with Michael Schneider, and Chris O'Fault's Filmmaker Toolkit podcast, all on IndieWire. Yep. You can also find Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. And you can find Ben's mom on Twitter at Tuts47. Yes. Is that what it is? At T-U-T-T-S 47. Quality Twitter there. And Lizlet, of course. That's with an I and an E. Correct. We will be back next week. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much to our silent but very special guests for uh, hanging out with us today. And as always, you guys, keep watching television. <laughs>